The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 37 to 54. Listen for the word of the Lord. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see, everything will be clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you the tithe, mint, and rue, and herbs of all kinds, and neglect justice and the love for, of God. It is these things you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And he said, Woe also to you, lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of prophets whom your ancestors killed, so you are witnesses and approve of the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. When he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile towards him and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. The Gospel of our Lord. Good morning. My name is Hannah Keltner, and today I'm here as a new member of this church and as a youth. I'm currently a senior from Childs High School, will be graduating somehow this June. Being a senior this year has been far from an ideal experience, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. This year I pushed my own limits, but I'd also say I pushed my parents' limits, as this is the first year I'm the only child in a house. But you know who else pushed the limits of the people they loved? Jesus Christ. Jesus pushed the Pharisees' limits. He called them fools and told them that they were full of wickedness and greed. He told them that they neglected God's love and justice. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to call my parents fools or wicked, I do not think it would go over very well. And while the Pharisees were not Jesus' parents, they were devout religious leaders. So you can imagine how the Pharisees reacted when Jesus questioned their actions and questioned their outwardly show of holiness. Jesus revealed their hypocrisies. And as a result, they began to lie and wait for him to slip up once more so that they could get back at him, as they believe he did them wrong. It often feels like our peers are lying in wait for us to slip up, 
It took a lifetime to build a career and reputation, but one slip and you're done for. With modern day technology being able to record everything with a touch of a button to then be broadcasted for the world to see, the world to judge. We act like the Pharisees sometimes. And when we do, we need to recognize that we are and learn from our faults. People make mistakes and is expected to be held accountable for them. But I also believe we need to forgive and believe that people can change. But sometimes we need help changing. Sometimes change comes when you're asked to examine our true intentions. Sometimes change comes when a friend calls out on our hypocrisies. Sometimes change comes when Jesus asks, are we doing that just to look good in the eyes of others or because you truly want to help your neighbor? Sometimes change comes when we ask ourselves, what kind of neighbor am I called to be? Sometimes change comes when we hear Jesus say, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Why are you neglecting justice? Why are you neglecting others? What are you doing to ease the burdens of people? I wonder how we are changed as a church and as individuals when we hear Jesus commanding us to love God, to love ourselves, and to love our neighbors. Our scripture tells us that Jesus is invited to dinner with some Pharisees and men of the law, but much to the dismay of these men of such high status, he doesn't wash his hands before his meal. In response to this, Jesus tells them that for all their outward displays of cleanliness, knowledge, and power, it doesn't hide their selfish ill intention on the inside. He tells the Pharisees that though they make physical offerings to God, they do not honor God by the way they treat those who they view as beneath them, caring more about their position and power or their image. Jesus says this leaves them as unmarked graves, forgotten. For all they boast, there is no fond remembrance. The men of the law are insulted on behalf of the Pharisees, so Jesus, and all his benevolence and fairness, goes in on them even harder, telling them how they intentionally make the lives of their people harder and offer no help, that they build tombs for the prophets and apostles, then turn around and praise their ancestors who had put them there. He says by being complicit to this, they are just as responsible as, they who had, as those who had killed them, for as far back as the beginning of life as we know it. They restrict access to knowledge, while they themselves do not fully grasp or utilize their knowledge, they bar others from having the chance to. In response to this, these men are not compelled to repent and beg for forgiveness and a vow to change their ways. No, they instead decided then and there to make an enemy of Jesus, the supposed son of their God. Because what Jesus said is true. These men didn't care to put God before themselves. They certainly didn't care about any of the people Jesus was referring to, not even those whose murders they were just collectively charged with. They care more for themselves and how others perceive them. So in pursuit of their best interests, they are now against Jesus, watching and waiting on the chance they'll catch him slipping up as a way to invalidate all the truth he had just spoken. This story really resonated with me as soon as I read it, because this is exactly what I see going on around me. So exact that it made it hard for me to know how to go about writing this, because I immediately paralleled these men of the law with our own men of the law. 
And in my mind, talking about government in the church seems taboo. But when I shared my struggles with my dad, he reminded me of the simple solution that was already readily apparent to me. Just be honest, as Jesus was. Jesus didn't even sugarcoat, knowing full well what the reaction would be, one that would eventually lead to his persecution and death, in part by these very same people. And being an almost freshly graduated 18-year-old who watches a little bit too much news and is an appropriate amount of opinionated, I think it's more than fair to have some criticisms of our institutions. Just like in this parable, it seems that the way things are presented matters more than the actual reality of the situation. Right now, there's dangerous disinformation, fear-mongering, and divisions over culture wars, rather than addressing issues that really help the people in this country. Issues like improving our elderly care, making sure our planet is inhabitable, repairing a dam every once in a while, or maybe just passing any sort of legislation at all. There is a fear of stating basic facts, to really fight for what is right, not to keep their seats in the synagogues, but a seat in office. I can't even begin to tackle this in the time that I have, but to some extent, I'm sure we all are intimately familiar with it. Personally, there are way too many places in the US where I can be denied service for who I am. And I don't just mean a Wendy's, I mean like a hospital. And this kind of thing isn't new legislation. Talk about placing unnecessary burdens on your people, and let's not even get started on praising your ancestors who have done wrong to people in the past, because those wrongs have not yet ceased like we comfortably wish they had. And as much as I'd like to go on in more detail, I realized as I was writing this that all of us probably feel this way to some extent, and so we are also all probably tired of having to hear about it. I find that when talking about this, people respond with, yeah, that's great, but what does that have to do with me? What am I supposed to do about it? And as much as I'd like to take the easy answer here, which is to be like Jesus, to speak up even when it is uncomfortable, even when it is of no benefit, but rather of harm to us, I think we have all experienced our fair share of that in these times, and know that while it's an important step, sometimes it's not always that simple. Sometimes we're the Pharisees and the men of the law, the bystander, selfish and judgmental, who lash out in defensiveness when we are forced to look at the error of our ways. We get jaded and lazy, and who can blame us, especially when many of us are directly suffering from the state of our country, just like people were in Jesus's time. And since we don't all have our own individual dinner dates with Jesus, I hope this time can give you a chance not to feel defeated and hopeless in the face of all that's wrong in this world, but to ask yourself, what more can I be doing? And affirm to yourself that there is a real difference to be made. And yes, that simple answer is sometimes enough. Having hard conversations, even when you've already been through it a dozen times before and know the outcome, because talking is the first step in acknowledging. Listening to each other can put change in motion. We get uncomfortable when we recognize that our relationships and our words have power when we truly hear each other. Most importantly, we have to be compassionate and loving in these moments of truth-telling and course correction so we can truly hear each other. Jesus warned the Pharisees and us that it is not simply about being clean on the outside. It's not just about washing our hands for others to see. But to be clean on the inside, we need to be good to one another to care for one another, to work for justice. This is how everything will be clean in you.
When I showed up at youth group last Sunday and Ms. Shannon was helping us brainstorm ideas for our sermons, she first described this passage as falling under the theme of trouble with authority. I was admittedly stumped. I was struggling to connect any of my negative experiences with authority figures to my experiences at the church. At first, the only thing I could come up with was the time me and a couple other girls snuck away to an empty Sunday school classroom only to end up locked inside and having to call an understandably not thrilled Mr. Peter for help. <laughs> so I read the passage another time, and I thought about that word trouble, which reminded me of Representative John Lewis's famous words, urging us as people to get into good trouble, necessary trouble. I thought about how the Bible is filled with stories of Jesus doing just that, this passage about the Pharisees being no exception. It takes courage to sit at someone's table and call them out on the injustice you see, but he did it fearlessly every day. Jesus spent his whole life getting into trouble for the sake of others. Graduating, whether it's verbalized or not, prompts the question of what are you going to do with your life? I see this question in the classrooms of my high school while I'm sitting there for what I know will one day soon be the last time. I see it in the trees as I'm driving down canopy roads under the mossy oaks that I will soon trade in for high rises. I hear it in dinner table conversations from the adults that watched me grow up. And I see it in this passage now. Am I going to be Jesus or the Pharisees? Am I going to check the boxes of Christianity or get into trouble trying to create new ones? Because when it comes down to it, just as washing up before dinner didn't make the Pharisees clean, Sitting in the pews this morning doesn't make us Christians. Donating to manna doesn't mean we love our neighbors. And while these boxes are important, we as followers of Christ are called to do so much more. I think sometimes we shrink our faith out of fear and discomfort, out of unknowing. The calling to live like Jesus is an overwhelming one, so we break it apart into more comprehensible pieces, into boxes. We make it simpler and our faith starts to shrink. It becomes just another thing on the to-do list of life. But God is not delegating tasks. The Bible is not a lifestyle guidebook. We as Christians are begged to be genuine. Our calling is not and will never be one of perfection. I don't view faith in a linear way. It is ever-changing, and in my experience, it shifts to become just what we need it to be in both times of darkness and of light. I think the pressure of being a good Christian and checking all of the right boxes distracts us from the guiding nature of faith and the grace that it brings to our lives. As I enter into this next chapter of my life, I'm hoping to be intentional with my faith, but also trust in the idea that it's leading me right where I need to go. And while we as seniors appear to be the ones going out into the world to forge a new path and find our place, the time is always right for all of us to get into some good trouble and uncheck some boxes.